honesty hour, I did not know what I was doing in regards to launching this podcast. And I wouldn't have been able to do it without Anchor. Anchor makes starting a podcast super, super easy and allows you to not only use their platform to distribute the podcast, but you can even go on your phone or computer and record and edit the podcast right on their platform. Best of all, it's totally, totally free. So if you're interested in starting a podcast, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Hey guys, today we had on Josh and Brooks from BRX Performance. Super dope guys, really cool individuals that are doing a lot for the community here in Milwaukee, but then um, for athletes around the world. All right. So thank you so much for tuning into the Urban Misfit Show. Uh, today we have Josh and Brooks from BRX Performance. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, for tuning in today. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for, thanks having, for us. having us. Again, this would be good. <laughs> Never done a podcast before, but dude, I can tell you're excited. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm really excited. I'm like, hey, it's fun to tell a story every once in a while. Plus, <laughs> like I said earlier, I get stuck in my office all day, so no, it's, it's nice to get out. They let me out finally. Speaking of your story, could you dive into like what you do and how you got started? However, you want to take that. However, you want to bounce off yeah. each other. He likes to talk, so I know he's no, talking. This is my, this story starts yeah. with Brooks. So, um, well, Josh and I met at lacrosse. We played baseball together and, uh, I was like the exercise and sports science degree. Josh is the business type degree. And, uh, you know, having played baseball and, and having an ESS slash kinesiology degree, I was kind of something I wanted to pursue out in the field. And there's a, there's a facility out in Boston called Cressy performance. It's kind of like known as like the world leader in baseball training. And so that was kind of where I did my internship, um, to finish my degree in kinesiology at lacrosse. That's dope. Yep. And so I was out there for four months. They have like a hundred professional baseball players who train there every single off season. And, uh, so that was kind of like good to get the feet wet and kind of learn like kind of, you know, the, the tricks of the trade as far as training baseball players. Cause it is quite a bit different as far as training on your standard football player, basketball athlete. So I was out there for four months and then, um, moved back to work at a facility called athlete performance in Milwaukee or Mac one, I should say. And, um, so they were kind of known for training basketball players, wanted to kind of increase their baseball following. And that obviously was kind of my niche having played baseball and been out in Boston at Cressy performance. And so they hired me to be their head trainer of a facility out in Oconomowoc. And I was working out there for a year, building up kind of the baseball clientele. And it was kind of like an interesting situation because, um, you know, there are a lot of baseball academies popping up in the area as far as you know, we have travel teams, we have, you know, we do lessons, all that kind of stuff. And baseball is kind of like an underserved population when it comes to training, uh, as far as strength and conditioning is concerned. And so, you know, there was forged some good relationships with some local baseball academies and travel organizations, like I just talked about, and they were all looking for, um, a strength and conditioning specialist at the same exact time. And, you know, a, a trainer who specializes in baseball, I mean, that's basically the only one within 200 miles who would do that. And so I kind of found myself a lot of leverage at one time. And they all wanted to kind of partner up with me um, at that time back in 2014. And, you know, I was kind of like the playing every hats kind of guy as far as I was, I was the trainer, I was the janitor, I was the business director, and I was kind of up to my eyeballs. And having played baseball with Josh, I knew that was kind of his passion. And so when opening up our own business kind of became a reality, he was kind of the first person I, I called to see if he'd want to open up our business, BRX. And now's probably a good time to pass it over to Josh as far as <laughs> so letting him work his magic. That's, that's where the story, like, he, he called me, and, and uh, I was actually in his wedding about a month prior to that. And so, you know, typical wedding festivities at the end of the night, you know, feeling pretty good about myself. And then, too, I was like, <laughs> when are we going to do this? And he was like, I, I don't know, because we would talk in college, like, just a little bit. You know, we'd hang out and... and uh like we were good friends and good teammates. We weren't super close. Like I, I feel like a good relationship to go into business with to where we can, we have very honest conversations. I think our staff sometimes are like, what's going on with mom and dad fighting. But, you know, so he calls me in August, like a month after his wedding in July and starts kind of talking about this. And my first question is, are you under an NDA or non-compete and, uh, or non-solicitation? And he's like, nope. And I, you know, so I'm like, oh, this still sounds, I'm like, I don't know, just out of college, three months graduated um, you know, I have like a thousand bucks in my checking account at that point. And I have a, I, I got, uh, offered a job at an IT company up in lacrosse. So I had that. And so I'm like, well, I can help you get started with this or whatever. I like hang up the phone. I walk down to like anytime fitness. I like look in the mirror and I'm like, 
what am I doing? I walk back upstairs. I call him like, all right, we're going to start planning for this. So start putting a business plan together while I'm working, um, at this job and, and they just hired me full time, like my third month. And so like, well, I'll be down. Let me check stuff out. And like within five minutes walking in, I like the energy and everything and, and how we really looked at it differently, which we'll get more into on how we like individualize things. Like this is, you know, competitive advantage, like all my business nerd stuff's going off. Like this could really, like this can grow and we can scale this. And so, um, drive back up to lacrosse, walk to my boss's office. I'm like, Hey, put my two weeks in. No, I've only been here three months and you guys are the only one that like hired me out of the internship program. But, um, I got this opportunity and they're, they're really supportive. So, nice. you know, the next question I'm like, you know, and I'm calling everybody, my parents, this and that. And some are like, you know, you sure you can do this? Like you got student loans and like, well, I need a place to live. And Brooks is like, well, I got like a, a den slash closet. I'm like, like, you put like a, like an air mattress in it. I'm like, you know, like Harry, the Harry Potter movie or how like that. That's how we describe un, it. Under, yes. Underneath the stairs. That was like basically like where Josh lived for the first yes. few months of our business. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Had no windows. It was yep. like, you probably thought he's going to, going to wake up hopefully alive the next day. And, <laughs> So Stay two weeks later, I got my apartment packed in a car. I'm at his house. It's like him and his, his wife, Kayla, and, and like newlyweds. I'm like, well, so much for your honeymoon. You get me. So <laughs> I'm just hanging out in there. And, and we're starting in like 1,800 square feet. And um, because of what Brooks set up and the leverage he used, like a lot of us getting started was just him using kind of the position of power he put himself in was we had two contracts, one for 30 grand and one for 15. And so plus you had... 25 to 40 clients have to go back and you know they're paying us anywhere from you know 280 to 400 bucks a month and so you know i'm looking at our like our cash flow i'm like we're, before we even open we could technically turn a profit and so you know this is very unusual in the very unusual yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's not just in business in general for yeah. most people you know most businesses are going to lose money for extended period of time so you know, we're in 1800 square feet. It's growing like really, really quickly. And there's 6,200 square feet, you know, right upstairs. Um, and we move upstairs, like we're trying to find how to get equipment. So I get us into a really crappy lease of like 18% interest. So anybody listening, like don't, yeah, but that was what we had to do. It was like 600 bucks a month for equipment for how fast we're growing. Like we need stuff. And he and I max out our personal credit cards, put the other stuff that we need on there. And, you know, it kind of all worked out. And, and, uh, 10 months after that, we all grew the 6,600 square feet towards 13,000 square feet. Now in Milwaukee, where, you know, we're located five miles from, from downtown Milwaukee, right by the, the Petter ice center. And so nice. like some things went our way, like I, I think to be a successful business, sometimes you need luck. And, and we kind of hit that at the, the right time. Not everything's gone smoothly. There's been really, really down times. I'm sure as you guys have had also, but, um, yeah, that's kind of a, a short story. It's kind of, Kind of crazy, but yeah, if you ask anyone that works for us, they know about the Harry Potter closet and kind of <laughs> how this all started. So how long were you in the closet? Uh, four months. And so I, I happen to have a friend that worked for U.S. Bank and he had a house with like, in, with a, like a, a bigger den with a window go. in it, though, with a bigger closet with a window. And I'm like, all right, well, you know, at least I could get, you know, let, let them be dance. married couple. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I upgraded to a window. Lived on that literally on an air mattress for like a year and then finally found like another place because we were doing good, but you never know. Like, what do we leave? What do you take out of the business to pay yourself? What do you leave in to reinvest? So, yeah, it was kind of like scraping by for the first first year or two. And, um, and we had some issues and we tried to move to Milwaukee. The city wasn't going to let us in. That almost bankrupt us. So cool. that was, yeah. That was kind of interesting. The city, like, how, how, like, rated R can I get on this podcast? Like, you know. Yeah, uh, you do what you want. Oh, okay, yeah. all right, all right, all right. <laughs> So this, the, the city screwed us big time. Like they basically didn't want to take us seriously. They were like, you need a special use permit. Um, cause it's like a warehouse, 20 foot ceilings. And, uh, we were supposed to move in September and we announced it to our clients. And most of our clients were from around this area. So that's why I wanted to move out of Oconomowoc. And like, you can't move in. And this was after three months after signing a lease and our landlord put about 150 grand in the building. They call him and say, um, you need, you need sprinkler systems, firewalls. He's like, you better figure this the fuck out. Or like, I'm coming after you guys. And I'm like, I tell Brooks and I don't, yeah. we're pretty upbeat people, you know? And, and, uh, we both like our staff looked at us, like walking out of there, like, what are we going to do? So I call a friend of ours who happens to be an architect. I find a loophole that if you can show you're under 49 people, there's, there's an exemption. And so like, for like a month trying to deal, I finally like go down to the city's office and I'm like, who the hell do I have to talk to? Cause this is what we do. Here's our scheduling logs. They look at me and they're like, well, 
how are you guys going to make any money? I'm like, that's not your job. Let me in the damn building. And yeah. so like two days later, we finally got in. That was the end of October, but people stopped training with us for like two months. We had like no clients yeah. and we're sitting there yeah. just watching the bank account go down. We're like, all right, if we don't figure this out, like we are screwed. So that was a low point of, but ever since we've gotten to Milwaukee, it's been, it's been good. So yeah. there's a little hiccup there. That was pretty scary. But damn. Figured it out. What, what do you think? Like when you guys were in that low point, what do you think kind of got you out of that? What, what were you thinking that kind of pushed you to wake up every morning and still report to work? Like student loans of $40,000 is scary, but like a lease of like 500 grand sounds way worse than yeah. that. So I better figure this out. <laughs> yeah. And our landlord happened to have way more money than us and could come out to us. Lucky enough, we actually didn't have a personal guarantee, but like, I don't want to have to go through that. And, you know, kids and, and like the impact we make on kids and stuff, like we don't want to let them down, but it's just, uh, yeah, I think it was fear, like pure fear just got us kind of like, what yeah. could we do? What do we got to figure out? Like every day. Luckily, I, we had a dad who's an architect and he handed me like the building code book and he's like, look through this section, which is like a hundred pages. And I kind of flipped through and found a section that got us out of it. But, you know, that was that was definitely probably like one of the lowest points Damn. we've had. There's been a lot of highs and lows, but like that was that was really, really scary. I learned a lot. Do, do your due diligence, make sure everything's lined up before you commit to something. But um, yeah, other than that, it's been we have a pretty fun job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so do you think being uh being an athlete made you makes you a better business owner makes you a better a better entrepreneur i think for sure because just going back a minute you know like to be able to get through the lows you have to have persistence and you know resiliency and you know i think we talk about this with our athletes all the time you know you're going to have ups and downs like we have radar guns we have like a, a laser timing system in our facility that tracks every sprint and you don't set a PR every time you come in for a workout, right? Like one yep. day you set a PR at three, at three, one, two, the next three workouts, you're at three, two, one, and you can't explain why, but some people at that point, they say, you know what, this sucks. I'm just going to give up. Some people say, you know what, that's part of the process. Right. And so I think going back to, as far as like the lows for us, it was like, you just got to find a way, like this is a low, like it just, it can't not work. We have to figure it out. And so I think uh, being an athlete to answer your question does help you with that because when you go through an athlete, you know, being life, uh, having a life as an athlete, like you go through lots of lows, you have to persevere, you have to be resilient. And uh, I think that, you know, definitely really easily translates to the, uh, to the business realm too. Yeah. And I think playing baseball also, cause that's just a game you hear it all the time. Like it's a game of failure. Like you yeah. fail more than you succeed and you have to be really even keeled to be a good baseball player. And I think that really helps with, with a, you know, business is like, Oh great. We're killing it this month. Well, we can't get too excited because next month could look totally different, especially in our industry where, you know, it's not like your other corporations where you're dealing with, you know, a mega deal with someone where they're going to pay you, you know, hundreds of thousands up front. It's, it's client to client and making sure they have a good experience to come back. So like we try to build a lot of consistency of what we do. And I think that's, you know, to be a good athlete, you got to be very consistent. You got to show up every day. Um, there's going to be bad days and be good days. And it's, and it's kind of really allowed us not to just like train athletes, but try to just develop them as people also talking about like, you know, yeah, you're trying to become a better athlete, but this is learning about, you know, hard work, all the stuff that we learn playing college sports, especially I think playing at division three level, like you're not getting scholarship money. You do it because you love it. Yeah. And, and, uh, we talk about it all the time. Like we were good baseball players, but we joke with our pro guys, like, you know, we're division three guys, we get it. You know, <laughs> I'll still, you know, try to hit a dinger off you in the, in the batting stage, <laughs> but, but I think, yeah, to, to being an athlete, like it really, there's a lot of values that, that go into running a business. Like, you're going to school for 40 hours a week and playing baseball, practicing 40 hours a week. And what we do now, working 70, 80 hours a week, it's like that's just kind of in our DNA. I'm sure, as you guys know, it's a constant grind and, and uh, late nights, early mornings, but it's it's rewarding. So, Dude, I love that. I want to I touch on that a little bit just because I, one, like we were collegiate athletes and like I know how much discipline that takes. But I was scrolling through your Facebook Facebook feed and I think there was a guy named Trent. It was throwing like 86 mile per hour, yep. like fastball or something like that. Went to throwing like 91. Like what, like aside from like all the physical work, like what habits are you helping, helping him implement or what habits did he already have that allowed him to do that and make that shift? Well, really, this is kind of like the theme of an athlete's first visit with us. You know, a lot of gyms, it's, you know, you show up. My very first time I show up, it is, 
I'm tossed into the group. It's a circle workout. No one really knows my name. And mm-hmm. it's just kind of like, all right, you're, you're working out in your first day, which is, you know, like in some cases better. There are pros and cons to each type of uh, approach. For us, though, it's more of the get to know you first. So your first visit, it is what are your goals? What have been your roadblocks so far? What motivates you? And then we finish off the uh, kind of the initial sit down portion when we get to know them with uh, two stories as far as athletes who have persevered. One person who was like the genetic freak who had to kind of overcome like some bad coaching in the past. Another who was the five foot five, 130 pound pitcher and became a major leaguer yeah. at five foot five. And so we talk about how we are 10% of the equation. Yes, we're going to give you a personalized program based on your body, based on what you need to work on, which is kind of what differentiates us from most gyms. Um, but at the end of the day, like, you know, like you could have the best program on planet earth, but if you just kind of loaf it, you're not going to get anything out of it. And so to answer your question, as far as Trent, you know, Trent came in at 86 to 88 um, as a senior. And in many cases, when you're a senior, it's kind of like too late to get recruited. Yeah. You've kind of already missed your, your time. Right. And uh, so he had kind of a chip on his shoulder because of that. He felt like he kind of should have had some scholarship offers at that point. His program director wasn't really advocating for him on the recruiting trail as much as he thought he should have been. And so I, I talked to Trent after those two stories I just talked about a second ago. And I said, we're going to give you the program. We're giving you the path, right? That's 10% though. We don't guarantee shit. And that's because um, you get out what you put in. And he said, you know what? Like, that's me. I'm going to use my, the chip on my shoulder I've had this far because of my experiences. And I'm going to use that when I come in to train. I'm going to think about it every time when I show up to get started with my workout. And then you saw like one month later, he had added five miles an hour in his fastball. Um, and then two months after that, he had uh, a scholarship offer worth many tens of thousands of dollars from Valpo University. Nice. And so and that was two months after being completely like nowhere close to being offered a scholarship. And so it's cool for us to see that come full circle. And and we don't ever take credit for that kind of stuff. We act, We feel like we're the catalyst. Right. We really do believe like we're 10 percent. But then once you see an athlete take that and then run with it and then get to their goal because of it, that's kind of what makes our job so special, we feel like. so. Yeah, and I think it's cool to see Trent. Trent came in, you kind of tell he's dejected because he's 6'6". He is the guy that is supposed to be the one that throws really hard. And, you know, even his former coach, which I'm not going to name names, but, like, you kind of tell, basically told him, you're an underperformer, you're not going to amount to much. And I think the one thing that Brooks and I have really tried to do from the top down, whether that's a coach training with us or people that work with us, is it's like whatever you think is impossible, we're going to tell you, like, you can. And, like, I think there's nothing that upsets us more is, like, when a kid's in an assessment and the kid's like, I want to play professional baseball, and the parents will be like, no, 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 don't do that. And we'll be like, no, 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 let him speak. Like, if he wants to shoot for that, why not? And we try to put him in an environment that shows him, like, it might be really, really hard. It's if there's a one percent chance possibility, but there is still that one percent. So why not work for it? And if it doesn't happen, at least you tried. Yeah. And I really do think that's why we've had good results because the first day, it's not about what you can't do; it's always what what you can do. And I think that's just been something of why guys have gotten good results with us because they just, they they love coming here. Brooks had an athlete tell him yesterday, Ryan Blunt. What did he tell you? I forget. Uh, he said, "You know, this is this is my favorite place to come." He said, I just want to thank you guys for giving me the opportunity to train here. And, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of maybe not a ton, but there are there are quite a few cons to having a second shift type job where you're working at three to eight. It's tiring. You're on the floor, you know, lugging weights around for five straight hours. But when you hear stuff like that, it makes you take a step back and think, you know, I could have been working in a cubicle all day. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, so, uh, you know, there are pros and cons to every type of job you can have, but it just makes it cool to kind of experience things like that and hear that from people who, you know, look up to you and, and, uh, just enjoy being, being in that gym environment, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say there's like, we've talked about this and Justin knows this, Justin, you guys can't hear Justin, but he's, but he's here. Um, but, uh, taking video, yeah, taking video for Instagram. Like we say like hundred, like it's not possible for hundred percent kids to reach your goals. Like we want them to, but it's just not, but it is a hundred percent attainable that people can leave every training session feeling like a better person. And like, that is kind of what we've built our business around is that you're going to have kids that are going to, you know, come in and not perform optimally, but put them around a good environment and show them just how to have, formulate a good work ethic. Like that's going to have a bigger impact by far. And mm-hmm. just the rec. I mean, I'm sure you guys being athletes, you understand like those things have probably really helped you develop to where you are today. So I think that's what we really focus on first and, the results and you know that on the athlete side kind of kind of comes naturally with it yeah definitely and one of the things like for us as athletes we had a 
nuts uh personal <laughs> trainer he was so we ran track and uh, extra yeah and the, the guy yeah he started pole vaulting like just crazy dude uh now the head track coach at oshkosh and justin if you're listening what's up um but uh yeah he was nuts and but at the end of the day we saw him more as mentors uh as a mentor towards us than anything i wanted to ask like when you guys were kind of going through those ups and downs and even now, like who do you look for, look at in regards to like business advice? Oh gosh, we have, there's, and I know, I know Q, we, we didn't get a chance to touch on this, but I know you have a pretty like, well, good connection with, with LinkedIn. And, yeah. and so, um, we listened to, uh, um, the Blitzscaling podcast by, which has a lot of those guys and, and uh, Reed Hoffman, who started, you know, LinkedIn and, and like Reed Hayes things. But um, business advice for me and, and Brooks, and I look at it similar. We read a lot of business books. I do more audio. Um, one for sure is my uncle. My uncle worked for Panera. He was in operations, very, very high up in the company. I believe it was vice president. I'm pretty sure he like, but he was he was very, very up there to the point where he's talking with the CEO and he started with a cool story as far as he took a 50% pay cut from Domino's to go to Panera Bread wow. and kind of on a leap in a faith and like took a lot of time from his family, but the company took off and kind of bet on himself. And he was an athlete too. And um, so like he was the first person I called when Brooks called me about, you know, what to do. And he gave me a lot of advice about can it grow? Can it scale? You guys stop growing, you will die. And uh, so that, but then too, like, a lot of like, I'm a big, big Apple Steve Jobs fan. Yeah. Both of us have read his book. Um, you know, and seeing what those big corporations are doing, but you kind of listen to like the Blitzscaling podcast and they talk about when they're really small and they say like, do things that don't scale now because when you get bigger, you know, it's going to be harder to do that. So a lot of those, um, listen to those and a lot of those books, um, a lot of business books like that. But I would say yeah, a lot of those guys that are, you know, big, big CEOs now, you know, Reed Hastings from uh, Netflix and what they did at, at this, you know, infancy of their company is what then led to to their success down the road is really, you know, I think sometimes people think we're crazy because we talk like that, but it's like, well, that's our end goal. So why not start yeah. trying to operate like that now? And um, each book, you take something different from it. Sometimes it doesn't apply. I think ultimately you have to write your own book. It won't fit perfectly, but there's a lot of good ideas that we've taken from kind of just reading those those business books and gosh, we could rattle off probably twenty or thirty of yeah. them that we've had a huge impact on us. But twenty, go, go, twenty. Never, yeah. I think the cool thing too that we try to do is always get you know our information from almost in a way like competing beliefs. And so one example I use is um, there's a really common book called The E-Myth, revisited by Michael Gerber. He talks about, you know, the technician, the manager and the entrepreneur. It's a very like, you know, organization themed book as far as, you know, systems, organization, consistency, training, development. And then, uh, so, you know, I finished reading that book and it's like, all right, awesome. We're going to, I'm going to be a dictator. And then it's all of a sudden you read the next book, how Google works. And it's like, they almost encourage messy desks. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's the complete opposite of the spectrum. It almost makes you, it just forces you to think. Yeah. Because it's, it's really easy to hear something, you know, from Gary Vee or, or read something in the E-Myth Revisited book and all of a sudden be like, that's what I believe. And I am now closed minded about it. But then all of a sudden it's good to try to, you know, see the other side of the coin. Um, and, you know, I think that the, how Google works is like the complete opposite of, of E-Myth. So at the end of the day, like, you know, you take bits and pieces like Josh said, but it forces you to come up with your own belief system based on really good sources of information that's out there. Because there's no one right way to, to run a business, right? And right. so for us, it's just kind of cool to to read. And I think for the most part, it just kind of stimulates our creativity and, and good discussions between us. I'd, so. I'd say if there's one book that's made the biggest impact, those principles by Ray Dalio. And so okay. those who don't know who Ray is... Um, he start he started a, a hedge fund called Bridgewater, and in two thousand seven, eight, nine, when everything was going to shit, they actually returned twenty ish percent to their portfolios. Oh. And really big believer on like personality testing, and it's cool how he like I think a lot of people will take personality tests and think, oh, if I test something, it's bad. And he goes, no, everyone's wildly differently. So now. If you're low on social contact, meaning you're more like an introvert, well, you just know that, which means there's going to be situations you handle better than someone like me who's a chatter's box and, you know, wants to talk all the time. I'll get distracted by carrying on conversations. So it's that book really opened our mind because really like for Ray to do what he did during the time he did, 
he had some very interesting forward thinking business principles. And, and I think that's what he talks about. It was like, find your principles of your business of what you're, what you believe in, you know, could be the same as core values for someone else, but build your business around those principles and stick to them. And, and your jobs will be easier. People will manage themselves better, all that kind of stuff. So I'd say if there's one book that's probably made the biggest impact that really started us thinking about things differently, we use personality testing for hiring now and it's helped a lot, a, tremendously. That's awesome. Um, Cause you don't look at more so now why people like, Oh, why does he do that? It's just more of like, Oh, I know why he does now. Yeah. I know why, because like, and Brooks and I are like the opposite in a lot of ways. He's very organized and very unorganized. I'm higher on creativity. He's a little lower on creativity. And it's like, I think we used to bump heads a little bit about that, but now it's just kind of like, oh, you know, and Justin, again, you guys can't see Justin, Justin's high order. Justin and I work, Justin works with me a lot on marketing operations. So he's a great compliment to things I struggle with. And it's now like, I used to always think my organization was a bad thing or my misorganization. You know, now I can see if it's just, it's just something I'm not good at, but there's other things I'm good at. So let's surround teams and build teams around that. So principles has been a good book for that. Nice. Nice. How did you go about like, just cause we're in that same stage right now, I know you guys are a little further, but like we're hiring and we're bringing on people and we don't want to like, we don't want to build the wrong culture. Mm-hmm. How have you gone about building the culture like intentionally? Well, if you want to talk about hiring, I think we could talk about all, we could tell you guys all the things not to do for hiring because <laughs> that is something that has been not the easiest for us. And I think it's a little bit of, we grew so fast. We basically, our first two years, we doubled from a revenue standpoint. So hundred nice. percent growth. Which meant you want a job? Cool, you have it. You want a job? You want it? Cool, because we need people. Like we need bodies. And now um, we've gone over a, a big turnover, which I know sometimes can be bad for a company. But we're like, we wrote this thing called the BRX Anatomy because um, we wanted. It's like a forty-page document, and I think it showed where the company wants to go. And it might have rubbed some people that work for us the wrong way. And we kind of knew it's no different than uh, Reed Hastings has a culture deck for for uh, Netflix, and that either tells us attracts people or will yeah. deter people. And yeah. I'd say like for hiring, he, he talked, I forget what podcast it is, but they say hire like your life depends on it. And that's something we've, we've learned. We used to kind of do, you know, the job ad and this and that. And then I took a performance-based hiring course and they're like, whatever you get applied to for a job post, there is a hundred times more qualified people if you go find them through like LinkedIn. Yep. So we've been doing basically Instagram, um, LinkedIn, reaching out to people and saying like, this is what we're doing. Here's the BRX anatomy. If you're interested in it, even if you're not interested in it, like let's just network. So we just had a guy out from Detroit this weekend. That's awesome. Um, we've had a guy in from Missouri. We basically, all the top facilities in the country have pissed off because they think like we're trying to poach their employees, which we are. And I don't, we don't really care. <laughs> the best employees are already employed. Yeah. Right. That's, Amazon that's is that's Amazon because they stole Walmart's executives. They yeah. got sued for it, but whatever. They're, they're still winning somehow. So. Yeah. You know, I'm not trying to get sued by anybody, but, you know, like they already work somewhere else there and they can show that they've performed at what we need them to perform where, you know, I, I think you can still find those people who who don't have a huge track record that have performed somewhere else it might be a little harder. But if they're working somewhere else, especially if it's one of the top facilities, they're probably not an idiot. So yeah. let's go find those guys. So I'd say if, if that's the way you guys are going to establish your culture is is definitely, I would say, some form of like personality test because, and I get on guys, especially interns all the time, they're like, hey, can you look at your resume? And I'm like, yeah, I just threw it away. I was like, why? I was like, well, because you said you're organized, you're hard work, you're good at Microsoft Word. I'm like, you didn't tell me what, like anything that you can do that applies to this job. And everyone else that applies says they're a hard worker. Like, yeah, you'd be stupid not to put that on a resume at this point. And um, so I'd say stuff like, like that is due diligence of hiring, like, one thing I got from my professor was three interviews by three different people at three different locations. And he always do a joke. He says, everybody looks good on a first date. So yeah. like, just make sure you go and like go that. back. Yeah. And so that's something, you know, we've really, it's funny. We talked about the beginning, but we didn't like follow them necessarily. Now we're like, all right, we got to really follow these rules. Um, Cause we want to find really, really talented people that are also talented about what like you're trying to do and accomplish. Um, cause I think there is a lot of talented people, but if they're not bought in, I'll, I will take the less talented person and train them. And, but if they're more passionate about the mission and the vision and the culture, I think like that person's on the top of the list because if they show up excited to work. I'd say energy and enthusiasm, um, something we actually got from Brooks's, uh, father-in-law who works at Hellerman Titan, um, and is a vice president there. And he was like, we look for energy and enthusiasm. Like we look for, that's the number one thing. If you can yep. find that, you can teach technical skills. 
So it yeah. also seems to be a common theme with a lot of things that we've looked into and read is, is like, take your time and don't rush into a potentially bad hire, even if it, feel, if it feels like it's an emergency. And so like for us, like we've needed a strength coach for the last three months, maybe longer, but we are, and we probably could have hired someone. We've had how many people apply on indeed or, you know, dozen, yes, and dozens, right. But, um, you know, we're waiting because yeah. like, we're not going to settle. And I would say that's one big thing that we've been reading a lot about and also experience too, is we have a couple people have said, you know what, I can join the team, but it might be till March. And so we're like, we're just going to stick it out. We're going to find a way until we can wait because it's those, those five months we have to wait. If we had hired the wrong person, it probably would have set us back 15 months as opposed to five. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a big thing that I think we're kind of going through right now. And it's tough. It's a kind of a struggle because you feel like you need the help. But at the end of the day, you got to have that long-term mindset, right? So I read somewhere that like a bad hire can cost a company four hundred, eight hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, when you think about the time invested and you're paying them salary, you're paying them benefits. That you're yeah, the time you invested. Yeah. In, I think that's been the biggest pain. Is like we've hired people that end up being not being a good fit, and it probably frustrates Brooks even more than myself. But it's like the hundreds of hours you put in to develop this person, yeah. and you realize they're not a good fit, and you're just like, man, that was a lot of work. And like, cause you care about the person ultimately, but they just don't buy into the culture and it's just yeah. like, it's tough. But yeah, I would say definitely like Jeff Bezos has been another person I pay attention to. And he's like, he tells his staff, like for building a culture, they have certain rules that are within the core values. Like you can make the decisions and we try to do the same thing. And that's really helped us establish a culture. I'd say this Bjerk's anatomy has been a big turning point for us because, um, and we've had people read it and said, it kind of turned me off. And we're like, good. Like then previous you know, staff gonna, members. Yeah. 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 <laughs> previous staff members. Are very Which honest. is good though. Which is good. Cause yeah. then we're like, you know what? That's fine. Cause that's yeah. the type, not the type of people we're trying to attract, you know? So. And I kind of, on that point, um, you know, like one of the big things we rally around is, is us being, I know this is the misfit podcast, right. And it's, it's, you know, in a way, as far as where we're at in the, in the field and, and your typical strength coach, we are kind of misfits because, you know, when we ask people, like when you think of the word or the, the phrase college strength coach or just strength coach, what kind of person pops in your head? You, you picture some big bald, my college. And there are some fantastic strength, strength yeah. coaches. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to come across like, you know, we're the only ones who can do our jobs, but, but it goes back to thinking, you know, okay. When people think strength coach, they think some big bald guy with a huge beard with a whistle screaming at someone to get lower. Right. Yeah. And so we think we kind of, it's easy to forget sometimes that our clients, 13 to 17 year olds, they come in, they are terrified yeah. on their first day. And so for us, as far as the culture we're trying to, to be is we, we call it don't be Larry. And so like in the BRX and Adam, we talk about Larry is your prototypical strength coach. He's huge. He's jacked. He's wearing a wife beater. He's wearing a backwards hat. You know, he's screaming at someone and, you know, ask yourself, what would Larry do in the situation? Then do the opposite. And yeah. it's, it's partially funny, but it's also there's a point because um, I'm not sure if you guys saw, but there was a big deal at, with the Maryland football team. Yeah. Um, there was an offensive lineman who died on the field um, this past June. And it came out later that he was on the 10th sprint of, of 10, 110 yard dashes struggling. He goes to a knee, starts to collapse. The, the, the strength coach said, drag his ass across the field. Like, isn't that crazy? And so, so when this story comes out, he obviously had to resign yeah. kind of a big deal. And what's the picture though, that ESPN puts on their story. Like they put the picture of him in the weight room. He's bald. He's wearing a, he has a huge beard. He's screaming at the athlete. He's Larry. And so, yeah, he's Larry. Right. And so when I'm, when I'm a parent, if I'm a mom and I see that picture, um, what do I immediately, what do I expect when I have signed up my son for an assessment at BRX performance? Who am I expecting to, to see? When I, when I walk the door, I'm expecting to see Larry yeah. when I'm an athlete. And I see that on my Instagram feed and I see Larry screaming at someone. And I find out that someone died at Maryland because this guy had no clue what he was doing. You know, what am I going to think? What am I going to feel like when I show up on my first visit? I'm going to be terrified. It's easy to see in every person's eyes. Right. So at the end of the day, like for us, like, you know, there are many Larry's out there and our BRX anatomy, our core values document, it turns off 80% of the people who read it. But the 20% who read it and then come back and say, that fired me the hell up, are the people that we are looking for. Yeah. And so I think it's a big thing for us is we're not trying to please everyone. We're trying to find those 20% of people who want to be anti-Larry. Yeah. So that's kind of 
you know, to go off on a tangent, that's kind of like our culture and what we're standing for and, and kind of goes into re, um, recruiting and building that culture to your question earlier. So we call them the care principles. It's customer appreciation, attention to detail, relentlessly supervise and educate, inspire. Right. I know we've trained them a bunch, but I'm yeah. pretty sure that's, that's what we left <laughs> them as, yeah. but we've changed the wording of it, but yeah, that's been like the, the word. The care has right? always been there. The, 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 you know, words behind the acronym have changed a little bit, but that's just what we talk about. It's the care principles. And, and we want everyone to leave our facility feeling like there is nobody that cares more about my kid's health and yeah. his well-being, well, health, well-being, and, you know, them getting results. And, and that's stuff we talk about. If you, you have freedom to make decisions, I said, I have two rules, make them inside the care principles. And if it can be undone, go ahead and do it. If it can't be undone, we should talk about it. So, you know, that eliminates guys from trying to do some crazy lift that might hurt someone because you can't undo that. And, um, you know, that's the stuff we're trying to attract with people that, that, cause everybody wants freedom at work. So how do you give them to, to make it align to where, you know, I'm sure it's with you guys, you want to create a workplace like you need to for what you guys do. And yeah. it's like, but then also I don't make sure someone doesn't do something stupid at the same time. And so that's the delicate balance. Yeah. That's so. awesome. What Brooks, when you were interning with uh Cressy, correct? Yes. Yep. Um, how has that internship kind of changed or even formed who BRX is today? Man, quite a bit. I, I kind of came into the the internship as someone who was more of like the, you know, the workout is about the burn. It's about the sweat. It's a circuit style as fast as you can. More reps, more reps, more reps. Well, it's a complete 180 as far as training, especially over at athletes. People who have very unique injuries at very tiny parts of their body, like the rotator cuff or the labrum of their shoulder. Right. And so it became more of an art as opposed to just like any, any trainer can say, go run 10 sprints until you puke. Right. But it takes someone who actually knows what they're doing to say, all right, well, let's make sure that, that we feel the burn in the back of your shoulder because um, you know, if we don't attack your infraspinatus and Terry's minor, you could be on the disabled list for the entire year next year. Not that I would say it that way to an athlete who's yeah. 13 years old. Right. <laughs> but at the end of the day, like for us, like, you know, there are many baseball players. Noah Syndergaard's a great example of this two years ago. Like, you know, huge guy who's like, I'm going to get even bigger because I'm going to throw 102 next year. And then he had a lat strain the yeah. year after that and was out for a large portion of the season because and, and pound for pound in a wrestling match, he would have beaten anyone in the entire Major League Baseball. Right. Yeah. But at the end of the day, he had like one really tiny, weak muscle that basically kept him out for six months. Nuts. So long story short, being out of Cressy Performance is a great experience because it exposed me to combining the anatomical understanding, functional anatomy with actually training in the gym. Because if you go crank out a set of like, they call them external rotations for, for baseball players, you're kind of rotating your arm up above your shoulder to work on your rotator cuff. You could do 10 at, you know, really fast speed and literally be doing more harm than good because you're doing it the huh. wrong way. And so for us, it's educating athletes on um, not just the what, but the why behind it. And that is what kind of makes it into the art that it is. And that's really how being out in Boston kind of, you know, changed my perception on training. Long story short, it went from being more of like upbeat, get a sweat to, are we accomplishing anything here? Right. So that's kind of, uh, you know, in a nutshell, so small nutshell, how to being out in Boston kind of impacted the way we train athletes in, in Milwaukee. That's awesome. Yeah. I, yeah. I think in internships and Q can attest that I've done probably way over, too many, man. yeah, way too many internships <laughs> in my day. And I'm like, I ask this question a lot and you being at Cressy, do you feel like you learn more on the job than you did in the classroom? Huh. Hmm. Man, how much time you got? <laughs> Are we going to turn this yes. into a rant about school? So, <laughs> so um, you know, it's actually a good point because we get asked uh, almost not all, but many of our interns say, like, where do you be asking? What are you and what are your plans after this internship? So I'm going to go to grad school. And for some people, it's very important, right? If you want to go into professional sports, you need to have a master's to get your foot in the door. Mm -hmm. Now, aside from that, though, if someone's like, oh, it's going to make me stand out or it's going to make you know, I'm going to learn a lot. Sorry, you can teach yourself anything and then more on Google yeah. compared to going going to get your school. So don't add another 80K to your student loans, please. And, um, you know, like beyond that, I've done probably 500 like new client assessments. And I ask our interns, I say, how many times do you think I've been asked by a parent on someone's first day? Um, you know, what are your credentials? Where did you, who are you certified by? Where did you go to school? And they saw, you know, maybe half the time, say, I can count on one hand. 
like maybe five, maybe that's probably being generous out of 500. They don't care, you know, where I went to school. They care. Is this someone worth being around? Do I feel like this person is not like Larry? Do I feel like this person is going to treat my, my son or daughter's health first before their performance improvements? And that comes from, you know, showing that we care to Josh's point earlier about our core values, you know, being professional with our first experience, all that kind of stuff. So long story short, I, I feel like being at my internship out in Boston was, was, you know, it was one more thing that showed me that it's not about where you go to school. In some cases, you know, if you want to be a surgeon, I get it. It's a little different. But, yeah. um, you know, for me personally, it was um, it was much more ven- beneficial to get my feet, my feet wet out in the field as opposed to just going and, you know, doing a, a master's program with textbooks from 1999. Right. So. Yeah, I, I think at Stritch, uh, the way for me to stand out was doing all those internships. Yeah. And I way feel like too many, way too many internships. <laughs> um, but like you said, it was like it's the perfect opportunity for someone to do like just get yeah. your name and get your name out there. And sure. you don't need to be in school for it. I mean, yeah. I understand. I have many, many family members that went to school. I graduated from school myself and have done a lot of good with it. Yeah. Um, but I completely agree when you yeah. said. And especially in our field, too, you know, just say someone's like, hey, I want to work with basketball players. I want I want to. You know, uh, I want to work in MBA strength and conditioning. Okay, well, find someone who's currently doing that. Do whatever you can to dedicate your time to them. Gary Vee talks about this with his video guy, right? Yeah. The video guy said, how can I provide value to you? Let me just follow you around and I'll document what you do. Yeah. Gary Vee loved it. And all of a sudden, uh, D-Rock, right? It's his name, I think. Yeah. And now he's, D-Rock is his video guy, right? <laughs> and he didn't get that by going and pursuing a master's. And I get, you know, like I said, sometimes it's important, but sometimes you got to figure out what is it that you want out of your life. And hopefully you know that earlier, the better, right? Some people don't, but okay. Who is doing what you want to do? Figure out some way to get your foot in the door with them. Yep. And that is going to open up so many doors in many cases than just, you know, increasing your credentials from a certification or degree standpoint, in my opinion, at least. So, and I think myself as a good, good case in point being out in Boston, right? The biggest yeah. thing I sold on when I get, got back from Boston, when I was working out in Milwaukee was here is where I've worked. Here is who I've worked with. And that was a huge selling point when it came to, to selling what I was doing at that point before Josh came and we opened up BRX. So, you know, that's my, that's my rant about <laughs> how important, you know, internships are in many cases, the right internships. Yeah. Mind you. So. That's awesome. Yeah. I, and I mean, just talking about the industry itself, um, <clears throat> you're with, you're with Q right now, who is huge into tech. Um, and I, I know you're, me, man. I'm doing it. Um, I Do know it. you're like your industry, especially in tech and just the, all the equipment that you guys have right now mm-hmm. and you could invest in, in the future. What, what do you think the future is for me? Great question. <laughs> Great question. You want to start? Oh man. I think at some point that what I will be able to do, I'd take either one of you, run you through an assessment on my phone and have, uh, I know this because we want to develop it, is write a personalized program for you remotely. And so I've already, we actually worked with someone last year um, and their business went under, but we started kind of that conversation. And that's why I want to get this online platform we have now, where it's just a general program, but you know, with Amazon's like deep scan and all that stuff, like and I'm a big, like, that. I'm a huge tech nerd, so I could get into all this stuff, like machine learning, AI. If you guys haven't seen the, have you guys seen the documentary, Do You Trust This Computer? Brooke showed it to me. No, I read it? a book yeah. that references that. Okay, yeah. watch it on YouTube. because Life it'll make changing. It, it'll, it'll, or if you haven't seen the one about AI uh, beating the world's best Go player, DeepMind yeah. Go by yeah. AlphaGo. So, like, um, or the DeepMind project. Like, what I think our industry will evolve into is... It's definitely more like right now we write programs by hand. Pretty soon I think that will just be done by machine learning. Um, we've talked about if kids would get coached by like, I don't know. I think there's just too much of a human emotional standpoint, which I think be one of the hardest things for AI to replicate at some point. They're trying to work on it, but I think that will really change. Um, I think online training will be a big thing. Um, tech, like we're starting to use, we have, uh, his name's Michael Falk and Lauren Falk. Um husband and wife, and they run kinetic sport performance, um, in our facility, they run a clinic. Um, and you know, they start to use stuff like force plates where, yeah. you know, you can actually start to see on the force plate, like to the naked eye, it could be, you know, 
um, someone jumping and it looks very symmetrical well there's actually a big asymmetry and they're leaning one way and force plates can test that like we just did it with our pro guys and it was very eye-opening you know the guy that i thought would be the most explosive was the least explosive the guy I thought was the strongest was one of the weakest wow. so it's like you know yeah. there's things that that like tech can take over especially in baseball like you see now like the whole mlb scouting bureau and i had to go watch one of them um speak and talking about launch angle and this and how it's all a bunch of bullshit and i'm like no, it's not like because you guys make errors and computers don't to, yeah. to a certain degree. And this is why none of you have jobs because you couldn't adapt. And um, like, I think that's going to take over more and more uh, with driveline baseball is doing out in Seattle is very, very much pushing the industry forward where they're getting all very, very data and tech based. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't want to quite be like that. We want to take a lot of that stuff. We talk about like they're the Ferrari. We want to be the Mercedes Benz and take that stuff and be able to use it more on a, on a scalable um, scope because we deal with mostly 13 to 15 where they're dealing with primarily pro athletes. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think um, like a lot of that stuff will kind of get sped up. But other than that, I don't know what else would really change. I mean, I think one of the biggest turning points for us with our business model was um, that laser system that I talked about earlier. Yeah. And um, basically it's like, it's just essentially a big scoreboard scoreboard that's on the ground that whenever an athlete runs through a gate, it tells them what their time was for that particular sprint. And we would always, even before we had that, we would tell athletes, okay, you have six 100% sprints today. Well, that 100% before the laser system was actually 95%. But as soon as they had that real-time feedback right in front of their face, it was an immediate change to how hard they were trying. And so I think it wow. was it was it was a big it was because it's like you know like I'm I'm running and okay well that felt good but yeah. then you get the laser system there and it says okay that was three point two one well what does any human being want to do their next sprint yeah. they want to beat three two one right and so for us it was very it was a very simple you know addition to our training but the effect on behavior was immense and so it, we kind of looked at each other and said. In 10 years, there's going to be this concept for like every drill we do. Mm-hmm. There needs to be a big screen in front of everyone's face, like not, okay, not to that level, but something that's measuring every rep they do because yeah. what gets ma- measured gets managed and competed against in our case. So we don't really know exactly what it's going to look like, but we're definitely, I think the, the more real time feedback and objective feedback, the better. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I, we talk about it all the time and it's evolve or die really. Yeah. Um, and we're trying to evolve as we, I mean, grow and you guys are as well. Um, I don't, I don't know if tech, I mean, Q can attest to this all the time. If tech is going to be huge in our industry itself. Um, tech is huge. Everywhere. I think. Yeah. Everywhere. Hold on. Man. Hold <laughs> on. Speak it into a microphone. Man. <laughs> Hold on. Being recorded by a camera. Being recorded by another. Ten camera. years later, we're, we're bringing up videos. Yeah. Like Damn. Yeah. You know what? Go ahead. <laughs> just go. <laughs> no, I I was just saying. Um, yeah. I I think we'll be in the forefront of everything because we have Q, um, literally scouring YouTube and looking up. I'm the same way. Yeah, yeah. like looking up you random stuff every day. Yeah. You have to be. You things have change to. so fast, man. Yes. Like even like just in social media, like Instagram changes all the time. LinkedIn yeah. changes all the time. Your industry is changing all the time. Like people talk about personal trainers being replaced and things like that. I love that you're thinking about the future. Like that's yeah. that's dope. Well, it's it's interesting. Like I, I I do a lot of I watch CNBC all the time. Pay a lot of attention when it goes on Wall Street. And they're actually like our industry. A lot of investors are getting more attracted to because Amazon can't replace it, or Google, mm. or Facebook. There hasn't been that tech component to replace my interaction with you yeah and i think that will be always hard hard to replace i think the remote training and all that and that's what we're trying to do with our online is like how we build the community online feel i think you know we can develop all the cool assessment stuff where i could do a personalized program with you from a thousand miles away but like how do i still develop that like care for Mm -hmm. you and make sure you're doing stuff right and all that like that will be can tech replace that i'm sure I'm probably on Q side. At some point, I think tech gets replaced by anything. Elon Musk said it best, either merge with AI or it's going to take over us. Like, so I'm a big Elon Musk fan. I think, you know, self-driving cars in 20 years, um, there won't be anybody's publicly owned cars in cities. It'll be an all self-driving system. And, you go to and from major cities with a self-driving car, and that'll be it. No traffic, no nope. nice street yeah. lights. Dude, yep. I can't wait, man. Yep, that'd be great. I could sleep and go visit my brother. Like I <laughs> he lives in Minneapolis. I could take a nap, wake up five hours from now, and be at his house. That'd be awesome. Um, but tech, I think that's one thing we really, we really want to be. And I'm on YouTube all the time, trying to find out. Like you know, we 
you stumbled upon like Infusionsoft, CRM, and you know, I know there's Salesforce out there that's more, but it's really like made our jobs easier, more productive for running reports. And yesterday we were talking about how do we how do we track everyone's we reassess them every three months from a performance standpoint? Like how can we track that? How can we automate that? And then so when people say, like, I'm a 13-year-old catcher who's five foot six, like where do I test out as, you know? And so that's stuff we're trying to collect and have that that data. Um, which is a little different than driveline. Driveline's trying to do more of like data. Why do you throw hard this? We want more of like, where are you at performance wise and more performance measurable stuff. But yeah, we really want to get more, more and more tech based. If we could talk about this, if we could have, right, enter in your assessment notes and a program's written based on that and has to learn over time. And right now it takes us 20 to 30 minutes to write a program. If you could eliminate that from coaches so they could spend more time developing relationships with their athletes, checking in with them, figuring out when their big events are like our business would be by far more productive. The program writing is really, really important, but I think you can automate that at some point and, and allow what human beings do well, which is make sure, you know, everything's kind of running according to plan. So I think you got to try to can cannibalize yourself too. You know what I mean? Like a lot of the best companies are trying to consistently yeah. put themselves out of business. And so that's one thing like it's scary, but it's one thing we're very open to. Okay. Well, yeah, cause if we don't do it, someone else will do it to us. Yep. And so that's kind of been one of our motivators for being on the cutting edge and the forefront. We're only a few years old, but with this whole like online training type of deal, it's a lot cheaper because they're not actually coming to our facility. Right. And so there have been some people who have chosen to then take the cheaper route and then train with us online as opposed to in person. And in one case, you can be like, crap, we shouldn't do this because they could have been paying us more. But at the same time, look down five years from now because it might all be like that. And yeah. so if we're the first people to do that on, at scale, you know, we won't be cannibalized by someone else. We'll still be successful because we would have done it to ourselves. So like to, to talk about tech and where industry's going, like I'm honestly a little bit nervous about this whole launch with Fortnite and like online gaming. And I'm a gamer. And I talk about this with our kids all the time, <laughs> but like kids are not, people are not making millions of dollars, which I'll be honest, like not to, I don't want to, you know, bash on parents, but there's a lot of reasons why parents want kids to play sports because they know there's a chance for a scholarship and they outside yep. shot of playing, making a lot of money. And you see now people paying coaches, you know, to train their kids on video games for hundreds of dollars an hour and they can get scholarships. SEC as teams, you know, first power conference to have college sponsored teams on scholarship. And I'm like, you know, 20, 30, 50 years from now, are we going to have to be considering like, how do we train video gamers? Like to be, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah absolutely. And that, like, I, you know, I hope obviously sports don't go away, but like that could be something that works their way into the industry. And you have to kind of think that's, I think we're still a ways from away from that, but um, I mean, imagine like a, an optic feedback suit where you're like Fortnite, you're getting shot and you feel it in your chest, and yeah. then like an omnidirectional treadmill that you're walking on, you can go anyway with like a virtual reality headset. Yeah. Like, dude, that's interesting. Like, sports are dope. Like, I was an athlete, but like, esports are also sports, and we'll totally, totally yeah. see that. And it's growing. Like, I mean, you see all these, uh, who was Michael Jordan just led yeah. around a round of funding to basically. Yeah. Uh, sponsor a, a professional gaming team. Kobe Bryant's doing the same thing. Yeah. Like these guys that are, are smart athletes who have a lot of money and also now become really good business people are pushing yeah. money that way. And it's like, you know, I think again, we're, we're away from that, but it's like, you know, what if this kind of cannibalizes sports in a whole, we have to be able to, to adapt in some way and figure out a way to get to that, whatever athletes are considered at that point. But yeah, I mean, what if, what if e-gaming is like, you have to actually do the physical running involved and conditioning. Yeah. It's like Hunger Games all of a sudden real life. So anyways, but you can tell who's the big tech. <laughs> so. I made a, today I made a LinkedIn video. Um, we shot for Bucks Gaming. The Bucks have a 2K gaming team. Mm -hmm. um, so we shot for them the other day um, and I kind of got slapped in the face because three, four years ago, me and Q as college roommates, Q would just throw out just random outlandish tech future, stuff guys look yeah and i'd be like nah you're crazy like and it was crazy because i wasn't here but i saw the video and i was, was kind of freaking out by the amount of people that actually cared um the amount of people that showed up but then actually like cared about everybody else the amount of people that uh cared about us uh, just shooting the event and um it's it's weird because now not only like the buck shouted us out. Yeah. But then we're doing more homework on what else is out there that has it. And this industry is about to be a billion dollar industry. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
And it could be, I mean, like you said, something that you guys are training for maybe maybe five years from now, maybe 10 years from now. It's, yeah. it's nuts. Is there like a 2K, like, does 2K even have baseball? Like, is that a thing? Like, what is it, big league baseball? I think I'm no. right. It's, it's, it's just the show and it's then uh, RBI baseball, yeah. which is terrible. Something to think I about. Have it. Yeah. <laughs> if you guys want to create a video game. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. It's Paul, video um, game. There you go. Um, we ask every guest that comes on, like, what makes you a misfit? You answer that. It was yeah. a beastie, beastie answer. So I'm not even going to go back to it, but I would love to know, like, what advice you would give to anybody that maybe wants to cultivate that athlete's mindset, that that winner's mindset. Man, um, you know, I think there's one more story. We, we're big story people, as you can tell already. There's one more story I think that will help me answer that question, and. It kind of goes along with what I talked about earlier as far as the whole Larry the Strength Coach type of story. It's the story of one of our athletes. We we call him Sam. It's not his real name, but we call him Sam. And uh, Sam came into um, our facility, and he had some, like, really, really poor scapular control. And that's really important for all of our athletes, really anyone. It's basically how you transfer force from your chest to your arm. Your scap connects your arm to your body. And we looked at that and said – you know what, like this has serious repercussions for how you should be training in the gym. That's the importance of the assessment. One of the many reasons turns out that he had actually had an injury at a weight room facility before he trained with us that left him partially paralyzed at his shoulder. Literally after 30 physical therapy visits, he couldn't even get his arm above his shoulder or above his shoulder. And, uh, you know, like, what does that do to a kid? He's in seventh grade. His first time he came in. So it already happened before he was in seventh grade. Wow. And so long story short, basically just wanted the, 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 the people told him, you know, protect, uh, expect to never get your arm above your shoulder ever in your life. And so, you know, for someone who's an athlete as a seventh grade, like that, that has serious implications. Right. And so, you know, for us, it was, okay, let's just try to make sure he, he enjoys training here. And then there was a point in his assessment where he just seemed really dejected. And it was where I had to test how much overhead mobility he had. And I said, you know what, like crazier things have happened. Let's do this thing. We're going to give you a great program. It's going to be a great environment. But at the end of the day, like you can make something crazy happen. And I had no clue if that could happen. I just wanted to give him some positive self-talk, right? 15 months later, he has his arm above his shoulder. Yeah. Perfect scap control. His uh, showed his mom the video and she comes to my office and she starts crying. She says, you know, I, I, I feel like my, my son was on the verge of depression before he started coming in here. And the dad comes in and says, I feel like I need to thank you for giving me my son back. And so it's pretty powerful stuff, right? And that's one really good example. That's like the main meat and potatoes of the BRX anatomy document. And so like for us to answer your question, how do you cultivate that mindset? You know, it always comes from within, but you have to believe it's possible, right? And so that's one reason why we show that five foot, five inch, 130 pound athlete as part of our two stories on day one, as we talk about, hey, if this guy went from five, five, 130 pounds as a senior and not even recruited by anyone, to literally closing out a World Series game, throwing 97 miles an hour. I want you to pretend that that guy is sitting next to you on his first day in another empty chair, and you say, I want to get my arm over my head. Another guy says, I want to close out a World Series game, throwing 97. Who has the more unlikely goal? Right? Like the guy who wants to go close out a World Series game. Mm -hmm. And so for us, cultivating the mindset, you have to have the right environment, I believe, be around like-minded people who are willing to push you, um, make you get outside of your comfort zone. But at the end of the day, that's like that catalyst, right? That's a t the, the, the 10%, 90% you have to want it. And so long story short, I think it's a combination of having the right people around you, but then making that decision within yourself to just want it and persevere through the ups and downs like we talked about earlier. So. Hopefully they answered yeah. your question. Dude, I want yeah. to drop the mic. <laughs> <laughs> As you can't tell, we talk about this a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do. We do. Let's do but, it. Um, if I could add one thing, because I know the question is usually asked, like, why, why are we misfits? And I'd say we do everything that the industry told us not to do. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I think you, you asked earlier, like, who do you follow in business? And, and I do think you have to also say a lot of those people that have done something great kind of figured something out that necessarily there wasn't an answer to. And I think sometimes too many people try to find the, the answers of why not to do something instead of like Brooks's story of told him the million reasons why you can't. It's like, no, there's, we, we found Brooks found something in, online um, for Mike Reinold and, and a few others mm -hmm. of like what we can do. And a book that's always made a big impact on me was the happiness advantage by Sean Aker. And mm -hmm. he started positive psychology of where Harvard nine out of 10 students go through depression and anxiety. He's like, well, I'm gonna start studying the one person and what the hell do they do? So they don't do this. And that's always kind of been our mindset as like, you know, um, 
other places, you know, still use, oh, schedule by hand. Don't use a software system that only costs a hundred bucks a month and could basically save you the, the cost of an office manager. You know, don't get too much into tech. Uh, don't take out debt. Don't take on investors. And I'm like, hang on. Those are all things that like big major corporations do and they're like figuring it out. So it's like, we haven't paid a lot to, there's things in the industry and industry leaders we've paid attention to. It's also been a lot where we're like, we're not a gym, we're a business. Like what do other successful businesses do and how can we apply that? Some will work, some won't. But, you know, I think there's too many, too many times to cultivate that mindset. You have to just prove people wrong. And I think of what we've done with athletes time and time again, it's people proving things wrong. With today's information in Google, social media, you can find a million reasons not to do something. But if you can find Mm -hmm. the one or two reasons of why, and you think that can really stick, then keep Keep trying until you've absolutely exhausted everything. Otherwise, uh, I think you'll just look back and regret a lot. So I, I would say, you know, like pay attention to, to industry leaders, but also like they haven't figured everything out yet. So don't be afraid to say I'm going against the grain and yeah. be rebel. I'd say that's something we've, we've done a ton of is we've disagreed with a lot of industry leaders. And I think we'll continue because we want this to do. Everyone says you can't scale individualized training. We're like, well, we're going to. And someone has to try. Yeah, at yeah least, someone right? has to, and I and I think we can. And not that I think, I know we can. It's doable. If, if Amazon can deliver a package in four hours from Kenosha to your door, what we're trying to do can happen. Yeah. So. Me, Elon Musk says, like, what I'm trying to do, the, the chances are much more likely that I fail than I succeed. But someone has to try. That doesn't mean that it's not worth pursuing, right? And that's kind of the way we view what we're trying to do as far as BRX performance and how we're going to grow. Respect. You guys are crushing it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Lastly, where can, where can people find you? What should they, where should they go find yeah. you? Yeah. BRXPerformance.com is our website, Instagram, BRX Performance, Twitter, BRX Performance, Facebook. We're not a ton on Facebook just because it's more parents. And um, Instagram, Twitter, uh, you'll, you'll find the unpopular question of the day. It's just Brooks' go to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. An unpopular opinion. Or unpopular opinion. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, but um, I'm trying to think where else I could find us. Yeah. Come visit us. Yeah, Hang come out. Visit us. Yeah. Yeah. South Play ping pong. Street, Milwaukee. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Tench, if there are any good ping pong players out there, I'm looking for competition. Let's do this thing now. Yeah. You hear that, Ditch? <laughs> awesome. Appreciate you guys coming on. Yeah, thanks absolutely. Thanks for having us. Great. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Urban Misfit Show. It's so awesome hearing the BRX dudes' um, stories. They're incredibly young, incredibly hungry, and their work ethic is incredible. All of their links will be in the bio below, and all of our other work, if you're interested, is around me. Stay tuned.